Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It is Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday, and we're here with a very special guest talking about one of the coolest movies of my lifetime. It is The Italian Job. We're here to break the whole thing down for you guys. We'll see you in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Ooh, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, yes. So we should just do uh, Equalizer 2 again, We right? should. Yeah, there you did go. Did we do Equalizer 2? Yeah, we did. <laughs> the third one already came out. Yeah, seriously. They'll make, they'll make a third one. They probably won't get that. It'll be Michael Jai White. You still yeah. haven't, sir. <laughs> you still haven't. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's Action Movie Anatomy. We're here. It's Wednesday. We're talking about the Italian job. Uh, yeah, I think let's just let's just get right to it. We got yeah. a special guest in the room, Mr. Alex Kessler. Hey, everybody! Thanks for having me. Yeah, he's my uh, co-host on the Masters of Modern podcast. He's a return guest on the show. Yeah, uh, and the creator of a super super sick game that we're going to be talking to you guys later today about. Uh, but he's on the show today to talk about yeah. the Italian job. You like this movie? Right? You grew up watching this movie? I, I, I grew up watching heist movies, and this was one of the. Uh, I made the point before we started recording that this is the second best heist movie of its era. Yeah, mostly because there weren't many good ones, and then yeah. Yeah, the first one we'll talk about maybe later. But yeah. that's fair. My uh, my co-creator, co-host, co-producer, Mr. Andrew Guy. Woo! I, I like didn't know who you were introing at first. Yeah, yeah, it's me. Juliet, we've got uh, that's my co-host, co-producer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Jules in the booth. It feels good to be back, man. Uh, we took a week off last week. Anytime we take a week off, it always feels like we've taken ages away from the <laughs> show. Were we gone last week? We were dark last week. Yeah, we were dark last week. Uh, what happened was you were out of town, and I was supposed to be here. We, we were actually going to yeah. do a show together on the Meg, Alex and I. I was so prepared. I, I, had... I know, and I actually ended up getting called in to work on something else. It was a total bummer. Uh, but I bought a shark. Work. He yeah. bought a shark. He had a megalodon. Physical giant shark. Yes, he has it still in his home. Um, <laughs> Jules, really quickly before I uh, aggrandize myself with my introduction, can we just turn the levels down? I feel like I'm peeking in my ears. I just Maybe maybe it's just me and just my own, but just want to make sure that we don't uh, have poor... Okay, you think it's just my ears. Got it. Okay, it's not the input. Perfect. Um, So, yes, we're here to talk about the movie, uh, The Italian Job. I I didn't see this movie until yesterday. You'd never seen it? Oh, really? No. I I remember this movie coming out. I know about this movie. I remember the actors. Like, this is just one of those movies that when it came out, I, like, didn't care very much. Mm -hmm. And then over the years... It gets talked about by people exactly in the way we're going to talk about it today, which was like, this movie was really sweet when we were teenagers. Yeah. Uh, And I just, there's movies from that time period that I have gone back to watch. Like, I recently watched um, another heist movie, uh, Thomas Crown Affair for the first time. Movie's sweet. Which I enjoyed. Very gratuitous sex scenes in that movie. Yes. With uh, Rene Russo and Mr. Brosnan. We should do that movie on the show. I would love to do that yeah. movie on the show. That movie's good. Yeah. I love the end of that. Yeah, so this is the first, uh, it's the first time I've ever seen this film. So we're here to talk about it. We talk about action movies on the show. Those movies adhere to four basic rules. Well, number one, the uh, hero always plays by their own rules. Who's the hero? Is it Wahlberg? Oh, it's Charlie Theron. Yeah? Like, Charlie Theron's the main character. One of my notes is that, like... It is her movie. Th- they're... Someone, I think it was Cracked, had an article this week about how, like, these are 12 movies that the female side character should have been the main character. And, like, this one just, that was true. Like, Charlie Theron is the main character. And she's also just the most capable. So it's like, she has, like, a growth curve through the movie, too. Like, no no other character changes. She goes from, like, I'm like, I like work for the cops. And now I'm like, now I'm willing to do stuff like my dad did, and I forgive him. And she's like a good driver. Yeah, it's true. She is the star, hundred percent. She absolutely is. Yeah. She, she also like won an Oscar this year too. Like, same year. Yeah, yeah. The Monster came out the same year. Which so it's crazy. like this is like she went for like nothing to Italian Job and Monster. And well, this I'm, movie was it, literally this movie. I believe was just like a studio thank you. Like everyone was just paying the studio back to do this this movie. Like I know Edward Norton wanted nothing to do with it, but he had to because of like a contract with the mm-hmm. studio. I wonder if that was kind of how it was all the way across the board. Mm. And they just kind of like slung this all-star crew together and made a movie. Got the rights to Italian Job and just did the remake. Like yeah. each, each actor has like a weird, it's like a weird moment in all their careers. Because it's yeah, kind right. of the last watchable Seth Green movie. Yeah. <laughs> like after this, there's the like up a paddle or like up a creek oh, or whatever. Yeah, and then he paddle. is not in another movie. You know what? That's so weird. I'm hearing what you're talking about the as peaking? well. The peaking? It's not like a volume thing. It's like an actual peaking thing in our voices. Hello? So I'm not sure if, if well, you can adjust our input. So yeah. yeah. So you, you do, what, um, do, do what you can. Miss, Miss Wizard in the booth. Without a paddle. <laughs> so good. Okay. Uh, rule number two. The hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, again, like, Edward Orange just seems like a jackass. Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't even seem he doesn't that seem smart. smart. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> he seems like kind of a moron. He's like, he's well, like, he's, he's like, I just betrayed you in the beginning. Classic 
Classic betrayal. He's, he's a classic me. <laughs> <laughs> he's an amalgamation of all the bad guys. I guess he's not maybe the smartest person in the room, but yeah. he's like a little bit of each of the good guys. Yeah. He's yeah. like the the like in, to the extent that everything he bought was just the right. I ideas. do. I love that. That, that was, was like my one of my favorite parts, parts of the whole yeah, movie. When he's like, ah, I don't know. I like what all you guys said. I'll just take I'll each one of yours. And he actually yeah. does it. He does yeah. it. He gets yeah. the specific stereo. Yeah. He. Uh, also, the similarities between this movie and you're forgetting the other heist movie, Gone in 60 Seconds. I was going to say, I remember it's that. It's the yeah. other best one. This movie feels like a carbon copy in a lot of ways. It's so similar. I think I think I'm retracting my previous statement, and it's like, let's, let's say, Ocean's Eleven is number one, and then Gone, and then maybe this, and maybe we'll think of another movie that's better. Do you know what this movie doesn't have? Hurricanes? That, <laughs> hurricane heist is actually my favorite heist movie. Well, this film doesn't well, have... Is Fast and Furious from this era? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's then, a little... It's like, wouldn't you say it's a little... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's right in the middle this of it. This is 03. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, I believe, is 01. I think Gone in 6 Seconds is 2000. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Fast and the Furious 1 is also 2001. So it's all the same. Like right in the middle same. of it. Yeah. yeah. This is worse than all I'll those. I'll tell you what Gone in 60 <laughs> Seconds has that this movie doesn't have. Uh, Nicholas Cage? No. Raymond <laughs> Kalitri. Raymond Kalitri. <laughs> like yeah, because like uh, about the hero and the villain uh, being the smartest people in the room, it's like Edward Norton is... <sighs> It's like his disdain for making this movie is almost palpable on screen. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to like him. Mm-hmm. He is a bad guy. You're, you're not supposed to like the bad guy, but it's like you almost, I don't know. You want it, You always want to like the bad guy just a little bit. Right. There's got to be something you can relate to. He's not even an antihero. He's yeah. just a jackass he's just with a, a mustache. Jackass with a really <laughs> dirty mustache. He, like, he, he's like, I changed my name and I'm going to hit on the cable girl. <laughs> I'm really sweet. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I don't know. He sucks. Becky. But, uh, yeah, Becky. Rule number three the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Uh, she's freelancer. She works for the cops. They're not mercenaries. They're just she works for well, the cops. Heist, heists are yeah. like I think that's a mercenary group kind yeah, of. Yeah, you get like, contracted for the, the pay. The, they're getting paid by the heist itself, but they're yeah. like a group of people that work together to do action packed things yeah, right. for money. Like should have just done the score. Yeah. That's another film I like. I love Edward yeah. Norton in that movie. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great. You want to do an impression or? Uh, uh, <laughs> rule number four: the movie can have one explosion. It's real close. There's definitely explosions in this oh, film, yeah. and the explosions in this film are sweet. I I really like. They might be they, the best part of this movie. Yeah, that they reuse the Italian job floor safe thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like one. It was like almost a fist pump for me because like that's just cool mm-hmm. that it works. Yeah, yeah. Like them painting it, I was already like, this is special paint. And then the <laughs> thing, and then just like the thing falls over and the covers. Like, yeah. Where's my car? Where's my car? Yeah. Yeah. You're like ha ha. There's, like, enough you, good about this movie <laughs> that you want to like. Like, there's things you really like about it, and then there's things that are just, like, very generic or dated, and it's fascinating kind of getting through it. Because that, like, there's, like, great moments. Like, all of the high yeah, stuff. Yeah, right, right, But then, right. like, everyone's kind of just, like, in their B game. Yeah, it's, well, it's there's a lot to talk about here and a lot to unpack. So, uh, guys, that that is the Rules of Action Movie Anatomy. You're coming to us live on the Popcorn Talk Network, which is the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related and pop culture by the bucketful. Today, quick Patreon shout-out to brand-new members of the Action Army. We've got Jan R. Melgard and Elvin Rivera. You like yeah. to pull those names, don't I you? I like to get you the good ones. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jan R. Melgard and Elvin Rivera, we... Salute you. We salute you. As Thank always. You. Welcome to the army. Uh, so, we have a lot coming up on the show today. We are going to be talking about our top three remakes. Overly sieged, underly sieged, properly sieged on Jason, Jason Statham. And, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the rest of the show. So, we're going to get to thesis statement here in just a quick second. But before we do, let's queue up a 2003 vintage trailer. This is this probably... should be a good one. Yeah, it should be a should good... Be good. As a slave. Wanting to be richer. I'm in Venice. <laughs> Learn the language of poetry, art. No, nope, never sex. open with most deaf. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, my friend. I don't need a guidebook. The plan was flawless. That's such a weird one. Yeah. Place, really okay. strange. It's right above you. It's just because it's like the only scene most deaf and Stephen are in together. Maybe. Yeah, it makes no sense to open on them. Yeah. What are you going to do with your share? I'm going to get a They're like third and fourth build. There's also this one like I'll save it. I'll save it to my Maybe I'll use the only threat was the one they never saw coming. What the hell are you doing? This is the most 90s trailer I've ever watched. It's got the voice. Oh, there's much more 90s trailers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's fair. I can start just rifling through. Yeah. It's not about the gold. John was like a father to me, too. Mark Wahlberg? Oh, oh, not good, right? Huh? You're not a good actor in this movie? Is that what you're no, saying? yeah, he's uh, not. But, like, I love... Gang's all here. He does the... What the hell are you doing, Todd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it in this movie, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing about Wahlberg that I like so much about this movie is it made me realize how, like... Wahlberg's like a super capable entertaining actor now he's a much better actor than he used to be right but in the early days it's just like a lot of Dirk Diggler 
Yeah, and he is just Dirk Diggler in all the movies he was in early on. Even the way that he talks, it's like kind of soft spoken. <laughs> I was like watching this movie, like dying laughing. Was, what the hell are you talking about, Mustaf? You just blew the best thing you had going for you. You just blew the element of surprise. Yes. Why do you get to punch him and I don't? Paramount Pictures presents. The gold is coming to us. Gridlock every route except for the one. Swordfish. There's another good heist movie from this time. That was yeah. I mean that's a great thesis. The mistake of this movie is focusing on Wahlberg and not making it a story about Charlize. Right. So clearly the most talented actress in this film. Oh, absolutely. Famous walking into this, and Charlize Theron was got famous this year. Yeah, Wahlberg was coming off the smash success of Rockstar. I have to tell you that if that's probably on my short list of guilty pleasure movies, I would like to cover on this show that we'll never be able to. Rockstar. Have you seen Rockstar? No, it's good. I don't think Charlize Theron was shouted out just there during the credits. They didn't even say her name. They didn't even say her name. Yeah, she kind of came out of nowhere. She was 30 when they made this. Definitely well, she worked. Like, it's not like she hadn't had credits before this. Just, this is the first yeah. movie where she's, like, kind of a main character, and then it, ha- like, happened the same year she won an Oscar. Holy Spirit! The Italian job. You know, it's never about the gold. Whatever helps you sleep at night, sweetheart. Like, Seth Green yeah. is coming off probably the highest peak of his career he's in this a, movie. He's built ahead of... Oh, no, he's not built ahead of Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so okay, I think we're gonna get into thesis statement here, and I have a I have a good I have a good thesis statement. Okay, and this one might be a little controversial, but I have been thinking about this a lot. But it was based on something that I read about Ving Rhames and Mission Impossible One. Um, late '90s, early 2000s is the most racist treatment of black characters doing tech things in history. It's like such a consistent trend. It starts literally with that film, and it's I think it's Tom Cruise or somebody of production and Mission Impossible being like, we wanted to cast somebody who really didn't seem like they'd be a hacker, and it's like. <laughs> Do you mean that they're you just mean not Bing a Rames? white guy with glasses? Is <laughs> yeah. that what you mean by casting Ving Rhames? And then I think about all the characters that are thrown in to like the tech and explosives roles. Oh, it happens a lot. Basher in Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. is like kind of the same thing. It's these like spunky black dudes who are like they're either the tech guy or the explosives guy, but it's never they're like the smart guy running I mean, the operation. Even in good movies like The Matrix, yeah, it's, it's still Tank and Dozer. It's like the early two hmm. thousands, late nineties is like such a. When you talk about those like token roles, it's such a bad trait. And watching this movie, I was like. Why is most deaf this character? Like why? Like why is it most deaf? Like why? Right, yeah. Why is this the character who's got like the quirky love of shoes and is like good with explosives? And he's like, I don't know. Like, just, I mean, I, I watched uh, Deep Blue Sea yesterday again yeah. just because I love that movie. Uh, and at the very end of it, LL Cool spoiler alert: LL Cool J survives, which is shocking. You think he dies, uh, but then he's like, he's like, send me back to the ghetto. At the end, you're just like, yeah, right. It's you're like a, a scientist on a special marine research facility that is. Working on genetically engineered sharks, <laughs> but all you can think about is the ghetto because you're black. Yeah, because that's yeah. what. Yeah, because that's what the treatment of these scripts was back then. And it's like we've come so far, but we also have not come so far because you still see bad treatment in, in like major commercial films. But oh, this yeah. time period, because it's also like punchline, jokey, like all of it. Well, it's also like it's the beginning of because before this era, they just didn't have people of any race other than white people in movies unless it was in heavily stereotypical racist roles. So this is them, like, trying to come up with cliches to make it isn't work, the, and then it just ended up the same cliche. Isn't the zany tech guy with the glasses from Gone in 60 Seconds also a black guy? I don't know. It is. It totally is. I, I can't remember. He absolutely is. He's part of uh, Giovanni Ribisi's team. 100%. I wish I had a picture of him on the screen, because it's, like, almost shameful. But, mm-hmm. like, a whole... whole ent- I mean, yeah. it, it, it fits with Transformers. I know that's true. Like, it goes all the way into, like, yeah. the two, like late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, that's my thesis statement about uh, this film. Uh, something I've just been realizing <laughs> as I've been watching it. Uh, yeah, that happens. it happens just way too often. Is the chat being like, this is absurd. You're wrong. You know? <laughs> Someone just goes, I was more offended Emilio Estevez was the tech guy in Mission Impossible 1. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, they're... I think they're kind of giving you crap, but they also are empathizing. Like, yeah. I understand what your point is. I, yeah. I, think, I think your point is kind of, it. you know, there are cliches. There's, like, the the debt, like, lesbian women are killed in, in movies. Like, yeah, sure. Like, the lesbian girlfriend is murdered regularly in movies or TV shows. This is another cliche where they just, like, to, like the reasoning behind it is problematic. And so, like, they're just, like, every movie has a African-American gentleman as a tech guy in the background. Yeah, tech or explosives and, like, always the quirky, like, joke-cracking guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And most stuff, yeah, I mean, he's deaf in one ear and he's, you know, he's got all the jokes. And he's, you know, they open with him reading about sex and love. It's just, yeah, yeah, I get you. Right, it's like, couldn't he just have been Jason Statham's character? Why wasn't that his character? Couldn't he have just been the driver who was like, I think that's super cool and also suit? problematic issues. 
or okay, but any of like the characters driving. couldn't even been Mark Wahlberg's character. Or... Uh, we, we all would have hoped he was Mark Wahlberg's yeah. character. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's my thesis statement. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it's also problematic. It's directed by a black director. I was going to say it's by F. Gary Gray, which is interesting. Who did Straight Outta Compton? We're obviously going to get into that. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to hop in with my thesis statement, and what I'm going to say is that Jason Statham should have never become anything more than a heavily featured player in an ensemble cast or a supporting role like all of his best movies all of his best roles are when he is either handsome rob or turkish or in spy or even in the expendables or in fast and furious as as the villain like all the movies with him is like the leading guy like bank job transporter crank uh the meg uh any movie that he's the leading guy and it's just him it's just he's just not that good <laughs> He just doesn't have the movie star charisma as the main character. Whereas if he's like Handsome Rob, or even if he's Turkish and he's like the main character, but like Brad Pitt's also there and there's all these interesting characters around him, there's an ensemble. It's like, that's when he really shines. Well, it's kind of like Brad Pitt even, because I think Brad Pitt is bad when he is a main character. And I think he is wonderful when he's a secondary character. My favorite Brad Pitt roles are not like Fight Club, best character in the movie, not the main character, Ed Norton's main character. Uh, well, it's debatable because Snatch is the best character of the movie, not the main character. Right, right after right. reading, he's the best character of the movie, not the main character. Like you, even Ocean's yeah. Eleven, main best possibly yeah. coolest character of the movie, not yeah. the best, not the main character. Yeah, interesting. It, it is interesting with some of those guys. Like they just, uh, it's like they're, it's like they have movie star charisma, but you have to use the movie star charisma properly. And to Statham, yeah, it's like all his most satisfying. The most satisfying thing I can think of Statham being in recently is definitely Spy, and he's just like yeah, he's yeah, so easy. incredible in it. But then it's like you know, so we have people in here in the chat being like, well, Crank is cool, and so is Redemption and Blitz and Parker and Safe, and it's like whoever has talked about those movies ever. Like, in the three years of doing the show, not one of those movies has ever been recommended for us to cover. <laughs> ever. Not yeah. even Crank has been recommended to cover. Or The Transporter, because they're dog shit movies. I think I think there may have been some comments early on of people recommending those movies that we just, like, ignored, so we just never covered them. But hey, if you keep reme- watch, recommending like, things... watch someone finds them and they just have been recommending it this whole time. <laughs> and you guys, like, you guys hate it so much like, that you're just, like, blanking it there's out. There's, like, seven movies that for, like, a solid year and a half were recommended to us on a week-to-week basis in some form or another. Right. A couple of them we did. We've covered we, a couple of them We now. did The Crow, because yep. The Crow was recommended by a general in the Action Army, Paul Denuso. Big salute. Uh, I think that's true, right? I'm not, I'm not yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, but there are other ones that, like, we, like, I think, like, uh, Hard Boiled has been recommended a ton of times. Right, I'm right. pretty sure uh, uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight has been recommended a bunch of times. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, I like Statham. Yeah. I don't dislike him, and I love him in Spy. I think he's amazing. I yeah. think he's the best part of it. But, yeah, so that that's my thing. I, mean, I think he carried Meg. I like, I don't think that movie... That movie is problematic in ways, but, like... It's not his fault. It's, it's not his fault. I think he's the most likable person going through that movie, like, other than the little girl. She's actually yeah, one she's of the better kid actors yeah, I've seen in a while. She's very she's good. Really good. Uh, I've, I've never seen The Transporter. Have you guys seen The Transporter yeah. f- films? Uh, I have seen it. the first one, but it was, like, when it came out is on it DVD. Is it good? It's all right. It was fine. Is it, like, th- like this level, like, same kind of time period, trying to be cool, or, like... Uh, uh, I think it w- I would say that The Transporter is a better movie in its genre than this is. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. It's it's the crank that really bothers yes, me. Right. Uh, wasn't there another well, one? Crank High is voltage crank, is the other one. Crank is like borderline like Piranha 3D. Like exactly. it's just fine. Like, and if be... you want that type of movie, Crank is great version of that movie, but it's not a good movie. Wasn't he in one other one that was like a, a single word name like Crank that was like a piece of crap? Redemption? Um, maybe. I don't People know. People like that, but I don't I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and, and the mechanic. Uh, we the did mechanic. that film on this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a good one. Uh what do you got, Alex? Uh, so my thesis is that uh, Ed Norton is the most punchable actor in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I didn't realize it until watching this movie, but it like, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's just like he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. He, in the movies, even when he's the main character, he's an asshole. Like in Fight Club, oh man, my life. I like yeah, have to buy yeah, furniture yeah. from IKEA, and I have this really nice apartment. And like the entire movie is kicking the shit out of it. American Norton. history, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> starts off with him being this neo-Nazi white supremacist. Right. So like, and in this movie, he's like this swarmy asshole. And every time, my, every fist pump moment I think I have for this movie is when someone else punches him. Yeah. <laughs> so quick point on American History X. I watched American History X once in high school. I remember really liking that movie. I know you love this movie. Yeah. Uh, am I just misremembering that movie? Because I, I remember it as feeling that it was like pretty good. But people talk about that movie like it's one of the great movies. Is that true? Is I, it one of the great it. movies? I truly believe it is. I, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I like still to this day. I love it. I, I understand some of the complaints with it, but I, I really think it, it breaks down what 
the, the racial issues then, it, I think it does it, it's translated well. It's aged well. Interesting. Like, okay. there's yeah, definitely things that are hard well. to watch, but it's still very relevant, and it's just really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think it's, like, relevant to today as well. Where Especially because like, yeah. that the white supremacy thing is coming back around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a trip, man. I, I would really highly recommend uh, watching that. Are if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd have to go back and watch it. Um, all right. So that is going to be thesis statement. Any of your thesis statements you'd like to share in the chat, guys, feel free. Let's move on to the next bit in the show, and this is going to be... Fist pump moment. It's that moment something happens in the film. You look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is so awesome. I get to watch the rest of this movie. This is so good. Or it just makes you feel something special. It could be anything. Cool. You feel super cool when you're yeah, watching exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. There's a good one. Uh, so, I love Ed Norton, and it's so true. It just sucks that he sucks. Yeah. It's just like everyone, <laughs> yeah. they, just, they just think he sucks. So uh, You need a really good actor that's punchable. I think that's a niche that's you do. great to be fit by But like one Guy person. Pierce, I've never heard bad things about yeah, him. You hear great things you about him. You hear great things about the guy, and I, I always want to hit him in the face. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Do you think that if you work with Guy Pierce in a film someday, you'll punch him in the face? I hope that we get, I get to in the movie. Punch him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just feel like he would, unless I'm the bad guy, then I'd be his accomplice, which I've, would be super sweet. I've been hearing some really tough stories before we get just into fist bump moment. About, about Wahlberg? No. Oh. About actors who we grew up loving who are now in the I'm going to take a cash grab phase in their career. Mm. So like the Cages and the Willises and these guys who, uh, I, the stories I'm hearing from people that have worked with them are that they come on set and they shoot a day. They shoot the entire movie that they are on the cover for in a single day. Huh. They only shoot their coverage and then they leave. And all the other actors' coverage is done they with their double. Wow. They just literally wow. come in for a day of shooting for like several million dollars mm-hmm. and everything else is a stand in. Well, so, I mean, like, the reasoning behind that maybe for the studio is it's a lot cheaper to do that, too. No, they just, them. they they get millions oh, of dollars on these, low, oh, yeah. on these, like, low budge yeah. uh, DVR movies to come in for, like, a day. Mm-hmm. That is so crazy to me. Like they you, just don't care anymore at all. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, that is so sad. Um, fist bumps, fist bump moments. Alex, what do you got? Uh, I think my fist bump moment is the like when they're doing the final heist and the armored car is being driven through the streets of L.A. and then just like the floor gets exploded out from under yeah, it. Yeah, and they yeah. it. Like that. That's one of the cooler. Where's my truck? Right. That is, <laughs> that is like the unique heist part of this movie. Yeah. Is like yeah. the the different. Heist parts, uh, and then that piece was the kind of the feature of it. Yeah. Uh, I know mine kind of correlates to yours. Mine is actually when Charlize is like, no, 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 I think I know how we can make this work. And yeah. then she busts out the Mini Cooper on the course yeah. in their like training facility. Because you see her driving it early on. Right. And and they kind of ref- they like allude to the fact that this, like, there's, take note of how small this car is and yeah, how right. she drives mm-hmm. it. And so when she goes on the course and busts it out, like, for me, I'm just like, oh, there's something sweet coming with mini coopers yeah yeah, yeah. i like uh there there was like a weight to the cars after the whatever his name is the mechanic dude uh, with the oh yes yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh after he like uh does the the tune-up on the cars he's like no it can support the weight and it's got the engine and then they start driving the cars and uh-huh. you're like oh these things really haul and you're like they're, this is great like they probably are exactly the same like i'm sure they don't oh no, yeah because well, they don't have like 30 pounds of gold in each trunk like right. sitting there so like they like made it look like it's lighter and heavier at the same time I also like that like in movies you can do shit like that you can be like so we're gonna take this small car and we're gonna like have this mechanic work on it and he's gonna work on it <laughs> yeah. and make it into like a super machine because he's able to do that because right. he can do that drive opens with him driving this badass Chevy Impala yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. totally standard <laughs> but it hauls ass yeah. I love that <laughs> Uh, let's see. So Fist bump when Norton realizes who the Ukrainian is at the end. I do love that. Yeah, oh, that was good. you killed my cousin. Uh, when Norton shoots Sutherland for the first time and watches. Yeah, that's yeah, a little intense there. A little intense. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wahlberg's face when he sees Norton again for the very first time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of Mark Wahlberg's acting in this movie. The entire character of Skinny Pete. <laughs> all of Mark Wahlberg's acting. I do love when he hits him in the face. Yeah, me you too. really want him to get hit in the face. I like so this will segue nicely into star profiles. Yeah. Um, so all of Mark Wahlberg's acting. Like, let's talk about where he was in his career. So you got you got the Truth About Charlie, two thousand two, Rockstar, two thousand one, Planet of the Apes, two thousand one. So some of the best films ever made. Boogie Nights, was Red is, Dragon, right before, right after this. Uh, Red Dragon, I think, is two thousand two. I think it's yeah. the same year. Same year. Um, and you look at Wahlberg, and it's like he had done he had done uh, Boogie Nights in ninety seven. Oh, no, I think. I was uh, he had been Boogie Nights in '97, and but he, you could see Ed Norton cared during that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in stuff, and like this is the period in Wahlberg's career where like the world was like, okay, we get it. You're like an actor, actor. Like you, you can actually be an actor. You're not right. just Mark, like Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Like you're for real. We can this put is you where in the movies. mainstream audience is trying to decide whether or not he's 
he's palatable or not. And he's taken movies like The Truth About Charlie, like kind of an yeah. indie drama where he's going to star in it. It's like not particularly well received. Rockstar? Is like, that a girl from MI2? Uh, Isn't she in that? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it okay. is. Tandy Newton. Yeah. Um, so Rockstar for me is one of those movies because some of you guys know this, some of you guys probably don't. But if you dig around my Instagram, you can find some old funny pictures of this. In high school, uh, my goal, my dream was to be Axl Rose. That was what I wanted. I wanted to be an <laughs> '80s hair metal butt rocker. Like, so my hair was like down to here. I had like black leather pants I wore in high school, a white leather jacket, just like Axl from the Paradise so City video. Sick. This is what I did when I was 15, 16 years old, and so. The movie Rockstar is set in the 80s, and Wahlberg is the biggest fan of Steel Dragon. And it's this British, like, Judas Priest-level band. And yes. he's the lead singer in a cover band. And he's so good that uh, when they when Bobby, Bobby De Beers, who's the singer, uh, they kick him out of the band, Wahlberg gets tapped to replace him in his favorite band. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dream come true. They hired all of these 80s rockers, like um, like like uh, Jason Bonham, uh, you know, J- uh, John Bonham's son from Led Zeppelin, no, and know. Zach Wilde from, from, like, Black Label Society, all these guys, to write an album's worth of... 80s hair metal songs for More the soundtrack. The oh right, yeah. okay. I've heard you've said the soundtrack's amazing and it's all sweet. Yeah. Like stand up and shout, and like it's they're just fantastic. And the movie's so cheesy and so bad, but like also such a guilty pleasure. It's one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies ever. You love it. It's produced by Clooney and Jennifer and uh, Jennifer Aniston's his girlfriend. You love this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> I like. And it's uh, dude, it's it's fantastic. Do you love the Tim Burton two thousand one Planet of the Apes? Not as much. <laughs> uh, quite as much. I would say though, at this point, like I was young enough when Marky Mark was like uh, a rap artist yeah. that I didn't know that. Same. I had same. no idea who he was. So seeing this, he was just weird, generic white dude, yeah. pseudo lead character. Didn't know he was famous. Like I would, if you had asked me. Six months ago, if Mark Wahlberg was in the Italian job, I don't know if I would actually have been able to confirm that. Oh my god! Like, I knew Charlie Theron was in it. I knew Seth Green is in it. I know you know Jason Statham is in it, but I don't know if I could confirm. For as forgettable as he is in this movie, and as like kind of bad as he is, it's crazy that three years later he got an Oscar nom for The Departed. Right. I couldn't believe how like, still, but he still should have never got that. Nod. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just such a ridiculous nomination. I mean, he is awesome. It's just He's like sweet. Yeah. But it's like well, you could have done that just as well as yeah, he is. Right, and, right. Like you know, he also like didn't do anything. Like because this, he like. <laughs> Does this does like no movies and then is in the departed. Really? Did it take a like, couple years off? It's not off, like there's things on his credits, but they're none of them are recognized. They're not a movie that like you would know. And then this then the departed comes out and he like kinda comes back at the departed. After the departed working his next ten years is is not it's even insane. it's absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely insane he's like one of the biggest in the whole world like uh, uh bassist 1996 here says rockstar is effing awesome it's so good yeah, yeah. uh richard says this is an interesting <laughs> point he goes i wonder if the fist pumps worked well on ben as a first time watcher if they would have been better in 2000 i think they would have been much i'm sure they would have better yeah yeah especially at the age that you know we that i would have been when this movie came out if i had seen it in theaters i also didn't see fast and the furious one when it came out i didn't see a lot of those movies right so I got in 60 seconds because Nick Cage was my favorite. <laughs> totally understand. I saw Fast 1 and Fast 3 in theaters and then Whoa. just like... You skipped 2, I but you watched 3, two. Huh? I did rent 2. I remember renting Tokyo. which is not good. Ugh. Uh, so then you get to Charlize Theron, which is really interesting because we were talking about her right before the show. So she does The Curse of the Jade Scorpion in 2001, which is Woody Harrell, or uh, <laughs> Woody Allen, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I believe yeah. so, yeah. Uh, uh, trapped in 2002 and then Waking Up in Reno in 2002. I've heard of the following two movies but i know nothing about them like yeah. absolutely nothing about them i know of the film trapped with ryan reynolds uh from last year or two years ago or buried buried i was buried. like i know buried uh, i don't know what trapped is i, I yeah, heard of it. i really don't know these movies charlie's i, I guess i she mixed wasn't, her up. Yeah. she wasn't anyone she wasn't anyone this is like her this and monster she went from being no one to being in the town job which was very successful the, and winning and, an oscar and for winning an oscar one of the definitive 2000s female performances ever like right I would argue that that Charlie's in Monster is probably in my top ten all time female performances. She's, oh, it's it's incredible. She's unbelievable in that movie. Yeah, yeah. She's like very frightening, and like she's just that character. Like that would have been a fun top three. Ellen Burstein in Requiem. Yeah, Requiem's a really and good one. And Charlie's in Monster. Yeah, there's a few of them out there that are just like I mean, even Natalie uh, Portman in Black Swan. Yeah, still, like, like when you go back and watch that, you're like, that was two years though, right? That's huh? 2010. That was 2000. Okay. I'm just saying of our of, yeah. our, of our time of our yeah, of yeah, our yeah. lifetime like of our, our generation, Got, not like the 2000, the 2000. No, I mean there's some, there's also some other like really 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 good ones, sure. but um, 
But yeah, those are some of my personal. Oh yeah, she was in Devil's Advocate. I remember that. Um, oh yeah, okay. So yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. of the early Keanu and Pacino. I, she came up and also looks a bit like Ashley Judd. I kind she of. She totally. Mm-hmm. I used to, and Ashley Judd was like on her way out when Charlie's was on her way up. Yeah, they're kind of they're they're kind of uh, battling for the same corner, so to speak. She all, like Catherine Heigl also is like weirdly similar looking. <laughs> like I, like they're all like yeah, they're yeah. not on the same level. But like I was for some <clears> reason some. Commercial came on this morning for a Katherine Heigl like yeah. donate to save puppies video or right. something along those lines, and I was like, at first I thought it was Charlie Theron. I was like, Wait, yeah, no, that's Katherine Heigl because then they put her name. <laughs> you up wonder there. if I'm I like, knew oh, that. Yeah, right, I hate you, you. You wonder that crazy <laughs> stuff yeah, with uh, Ashley Judd, all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, about mm-hmm. him ruining her career. You wonder if this would have happened the same way, or if like sometimes there is that thing with the market correction with two people who kind of fill the same space, right. and one of them, it's like it's like in the eighties, late eighties. Like Bill Simmons talks about this a lot. Michael Keaton and Tom Hanks were like on the same oh, track. Yeah. They were like very much kind of like the same guy. And they were both kind of doing wild comedies. And they were both these sort of zany, funny white guys. A little bit of intensity. And Keaton gets Batman. You think he's going to pull away and he's going to be the guy. And, and uh, Hanks does big in 88. And you're like, oh, okay, they're still neck and neck. And then like 92 comes along and Hanks just blows Keaton yeah. out of the water. He gets the back-to-back Oscar wins and it's just like not even close anymore. Well, I mean like Hanks is now... It has to be in the top five actors of all time right. list, but, right? Like, but there was a minute after I'm saying yeah, Keaton yeah. did Batman, where you were like, "Is this guy going to be?" Right. And right. now, and now he's kind of come back around, which I love. I love yeah. Keaton. Yeah, older like, Keaton, yeah. huge fan, so awesome. Yeah, I still want a Batman Beyond with him movie as the voice. with him as Batman. No, no, oh. no. So like Batman Beyond is the show about Batman in yeah, the yeah, future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would be old Batman. Oh, that'd be and cool. And then you'd have like some kid play the the, the Terry McGinnis. I I, I asked uh, Kevin Conroy, you know, as the voice yeah. the voice of him in the cartoon, if they were to make a Batman Beyond movie. If he'd be interested in playing an aging Bruce Wayne, and he's like, I'm, that'd work too. He's like, I'm just not big enough to play that role. <laughs> but Michael Keaton <laughs> is. Yeah, so yeah. cool. Uh, so I think this is a perfect time for us to talk about our overly, underly, and properly sieged on Jason Statham. I think you guys know pretty strong where I stand in this. I think Jason Statham is incredibly overrated. I don't think that he's a bad actor, and I don't think that he shouldn't be making movies. I just don't care to see him in leading roles. I just don't. Do you want to do your best Jason Statham impression? I just don't care to see you in leading roles anymore. That's, that's pretty good. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm not even going to do it. You win. <laughs> I don't know if I'm thinking, yeah, you can just keep talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we can just, just talk about that forever. It's a megalodon. <laughs> it's a megalodon. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I do agree that he was the best part of the Meg, and I don't know if that movie would have succeeded without him, yeah. but it's also, it could have just been The Rock. It would have made a lot more money. Yeah. It could have been uh, someone that's just like a little bit lower build than them, but still really popular. I can't think of someone right now off the well, top of my head. this is what we were talking about. This is what we were talking about with... Um, I think this is my thesis for for Cruz, right? That Cruz and Denzel are the two singular actors alive. Where if you put them in a movie, it is like it is a movie. It's a different product with them in it it's, than than without than it. anyone else. Whereas yeah. like Statham in the Meg could literally be one of forty people in the Meg in his role, mm-hmm. and it basically doesn't make a difference. It's just it's just the varying scale of like if the rocks in it, it'll make more money. Right. If you if, put like, Michael Jai White, it'll make less money. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That's, and Hems like Chris Hemsworth could have been in that movie if he wasn't Thor. Yeah, like, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like yeah. it would have been right, just as enjoyable. Right. He would have probably had his shirt off for well, half the movie. It would have had a different yeah. vibe because Chris Hemsworth in that movie is like pretty boy oceanographer yeah, exactly. versus Jason Statham, which is the like, like washed up grizzled, alcoholic yeah. grizzled <laughs> yeah. ocean person. Yeah, he, I guess. It, so that is the one thing about him is he's got that tough guy thing going. Yeah, like that. You know, like like Frank Grillo's got that same kind of mm-hmm. like tough guy thing going. Yeah, I'm not saying Jason Statham isn't replaceable in that movie. I just think that like. That him and Chris Hemsworth are not the same. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm just saying that like it could have just been almost anyone else. Right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, so you think overly sieged? I think he's a little overly sieged. I don't. It's, I don't want him to stop making movies though. I don't want him to stop showing up yeah. in movies. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think he's. I want to say I think he's perfectly rated. Properly like, rated. Like. I, because like, yes, he was the lead of Meg, but the Meg was not supposed to be a movie. In fact, like every article running up to the Meg was like how the because the person who did the marketing for that movie, this is his first big marketing push. He's yeah. the new marketer for the new, new se- uh, head of marketing for that studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was like, oh, you put too much money into this like jokey thing. You should have taken it more seriously. And it paid off, obviously. Well, I don't know about that. So so this is funny. I had a conversation with somebody who works with entertainment studios, a director, two weeks ago about this or three weeks ago. And uh, I was sitting there. It was late. We were a couple whiskeys deep. And he was like, yeah, I'm talking to Entertainment Studios about working on a project. But, you know, they're crazy with the way they spend their money. Uh, you know, they got the Meg coming out. I was like, oh, I think that movie will make money. People are excited about it. And he's like, you think so, huh? And I was like, well, what did they spend on that movie? Like, like 45, 55? He's like, 180. Yeah. I was like, what? It's 140. 
Uh, maybe after marketing with, was with 180. A, yeah, with oh, with but I mean, no, no, but like it, it's projected to make money for them. Yeah. The, the point of that movie wasn't to make money in the United States. It made 40 million opening weekend. Yeah, right. The point of that movie was to China. make it in China. Yeah, That's yeah why exactly. It, in like, China, they made it because there's there's rules. They'll release a movie in China. You have to either be one of the 12 movies or whatever movies now is selected by them to be allowed to be released there, and that's like. Or you have to do 70% of your crew has to be Chinese. Right. You have to film X amount of that movie in China. You have to have X amount of the cast be Chinese. You and this movie is exceed cool. these Yeah, yeah. you can't exceed these restrictions. Yeah. You can't have skeletons in your movie. You can't have time travel. There's, like, other weird rules that they right. have. Awesome. Uh, uh, but this movie, like, <laughs> follows every Classic single one Chinese. of those things to a T. It's because filming in China or Chinese productions? Uh, both. both. So this, you're, work, you're working on a Chinese TV show right now. Yeah. Uh, and are you aware of any of this stuff with like reading, reading the script or anything like this? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I mean, there's like very little nudity. There's like no nudity in it. Like it's from also the leading Chinese people movie versus Chinese TV have different requirements to be released there. Yeah, right, right. And like there's you know there's 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 a lot of swearing. You know, swearing's fine, but okay. there's there are no skeletons, which is funny because <laughs> we actually are out in a mine where no there's time be. travel. Uh, there is no time travel, and and this is like kind of full disclosure. Like even with our social medias and stuff, like I talked to you a little bit about mine, and I ended up just deleting my Instagram because, but they don't even have Google or Instagram over in China. So yeah. for the most part, the production really didn't even want a lot of their stars to have any sort of anything on Instagram that could even be remotely related or like go back to China and someone looking at me like I don't like this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it was like they had us clean up our Twitters, our Instagrams, like everything. They talked to you about it. Like, oh, absolutely. Wow. I, I got an email about my Twitter specifically and Instagram. Wow. Yeah. What like what kind of stuff did you delete off your Twitter? Uh fuck. Like, like oh, like, like cursing. Yeah, like cursing. Got it, got I, got it, got I got rid it, okay. of that. I also from Clash Royale. I got yeah. a lot of flack from them about like uh just don't cuss on your it's you know, it's a kid-friendly game and like things like that. So got it's, it. It's crazy, and especially with the Chinese production, they like hammered down hard on. Wow, it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about that, hmm. but but yeah, so it, the that, money they made, the money they made. Yeah, the, the reason they make going to make a ton of money is because it was made to just be in China, and they that's a you know if, if you can get a movie into there, there's just a whole extra secondary revenue source. And but like as regards to Jason Statham being correctly underrated, like most of the time he's not leading movies right now. Like, yeah. This is a weird black swan of a movie that he, like, because it is a B movie. This yeah. is a crank level movie that somehow got released in a way that was not crank. And, and like, w- like massively popular. Well, here's right. a, so here's another stat that I heard this morning uh, in a meeting with a friend of mine. Uh, I, this, I can talk about him. He's been on the show before. John Schick. Yeah. Uh, from, so we, we were talking about a project we want to work on together and I was talking about sort of some of these straight to video type of movies, uh, the DVR market with major stars. Um, I mean, effectively what the Meg could have been, mm-hmm. though they spent a lot on on the ocean stuff. But uh, what he was telling me was it costs twenty two million dollars to push movies, the PNA, to get them in theaters. Twenty two million is what you have to spend to jump it from a DVR movie mm-hmm. to a theatrical release. <clears throat> so if you don't have that budget or total faith that your your movie's going to make money back, you don't push it into theaters mm-hmm. just to get a theatrical release because it's so much money to get it there that if you don't hit, you just lose everything. Yeah, right. And I think that's kind of fascinating because it's like if you compare the Meg to like Den of Thieves to like Shaq's got a movie coming out at the end of the month with uh, Grillo and Willis that he's starring in called um, Reprisal, I think. Okay. It's like an action movie and it's going to be a DVR movie. Willis, pretty big star. Grillo's kind of surging mm, right now. Yeah. I mean, Shaq is a, is a face that is known. That movie is going to do fine. Like, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. I haven't seen it yet. But like, that's the difference is like, do you push that movie to be in a theater or do you just DVR it? And that's the decision that a lot of these people make. Yeah, I mean, I for a movie like that, it just seems it seems like a, a no brainer to DVR. It. But isn't it? Don't you could don't you think that Den of Thieves could have just been that? Like it Den of Thieves, totally, absolutely. Easily, and I would not have been surprised if Den of Thieves with Gerard Butler, Jerry B. Oh, by the way, actually, segue on the Jerry B. conversation. What? You texted me in theaters two weeks ago that you had seen the oh, trailer yes. for Hunter Killer. Yes, we're and doing that, it, and it was going to be perfect. And I was like, oh yeah, and then I got distracted. And the other day, I saw the trailer for Hunter Killer in a theater, and my mind was blown. Yeah, it's I'm, the perfect AMA movie. It's got a rogue Russian general. It's got rogue submarines. It's, <laughs> it's got, got Gary nukes. Oldman. It's got nukes. Gary Oldman and Gerard Butler. Yeah, it's so over. Wait, what is this movie? It's, it's called, called Hunter Killer. You can come back on for it's it. It's some like trashy excited. action movie, yeah, yeah. but it, like we love Jerry B on the show, and like it's going to sure. be. It's going to be good. So. All right. Over under proper Jason Statham, Ben. I'm going to say underrated. Underrated? Uh, just all based on Spy. I, <laughs> I'm telling you. That's that he, like talent wise. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, his comic timing. That is incredible. He should be like investing in. He should be investing in his career and doing more of that stuff. As soon as The Rock 
early in his career started poking fun at himself. Yeah, when he did the Bring It On monologue. It's one yeah. of the most famous things he's ever done in his career. Bring It On and, and yeah, from Be Cool. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the other guys. I'm a huge fan of the other guys. I think that movie is hilarious. Yeah. And he's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. If Statham could have kind of embraced, like, poking fun at himself. Like, I, I've heard from people that have interviewed him that he's pretty unwilling to, like, play games yeah. or, or poke fun at himself. He takes himself really seriously. Uh, and that, I think, is a little bit of some of the brand problem is like I think that Man, Channing Tatum did that yeah right his Tatum, career would just be done Tatum right. is, I love Tatum he's like one of my favorite people in Hollywood because he's so handsome and he's so handsome and he's so <laughs> handsome <laughs> what are we talking about uh, alright so we're gonna take a quick break from our normal scheduled program here just to say a couple things we have a couple fan pages out there there's the Action Movie Anatomy fan page you can find on Facebook and hit 1500 members today so join up really there's, yeah yeah just, just now yeah so uh, 1500 members in there there's also the Action Army fan group which has uh, getting close to a thousand I believe those yep. are our two respective groups. And there's our Twitter. It's the Team Action Show on Twitter. Mm. You can check that out. And the last thing I'm going to plug before we get into something else is our Patreon. Yes, we have Patreon. Patreon.com slash Team Action. This week we've got a few videos going up. We're going to be uh, talking about some top five lists uh, coming up next week after uh, my match with Roka in the Schmodown will be mm-hmm. this Friday. I believe just for patrons. So we, I don't if it's just for patrons, we'll probably save our reaction to that match until after uh, the rest of the people see it. Right. But uh, we'll be doing our, our whole entire reaction to that match. Uh, we Like I said, some top five lists, another mini AMA for the Big Lebowski, which is coming out for oh, Paul yeah, Nuzo. Yeah, Paul. So there's some really fun stuff on there. And actually, we haven't like totally announced it yet, but we moved over the posting of those Patreon videos to a new YouTube channel. The Team Action Show YouTube. We did start it. We're 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 going to start uploading uh, videos that have come out after a couple weeks. We're going to start uploading them there for everyone to see. So the Team Action Show. We're going to start actually putting content up on there. Uh, so we actually have a place for you guys to watch some of the older videos. I think probably the first one we'll put up will be the uh, post the killing of a sacred Merle, the goat. Uh, after you beat Merle, uh, we did, we did our entire breakdown of that match. I think maybe we'll take that interview. And put that as the first video, because I yeah. think that's one of the more fun ones. Yeah, that'd be a cool one to, to throw up there, and everyone can check it out. And make it public. So yeah, check that out. Uh, and then before we get into the rest of the show, guys, I do want to remind everybody that Popcorn Talk, the Popcorn Talk Network, has a show on Fridays called Meet the Movie Press. It's hosted by uh, industry insider Simon Thompson, Scott Menzel, and Dimitri Panos. They break the industry's biggest news stories, from box office numbers to celebrity updates. Sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're funny, but it's always a good time. It's a great podcast for movie junkies. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on demand, or tune in live at 9 a.m. every Friday, only on the Popcorn Talk Network. Check that out. We've had a lot of the people on that show. Uh, we've talked to them about some of our things on here. We've had some of the various people that have hosted that show and their guests on this show, so you'll kind of see some familiar faces there. But check that out. And the last thing we want to talk about is Battle Bosses. Yes. Like, what the hell is Battle Bosses? This is exciting, guys. Well, wait, wait, what's Battle Bosses? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we have actually, I don't know if you guys actually know this about Alex. He's also a you know co-host with Battle Masters of Modern. Uh, he's... He's a nerd, movie nerd, but he's also the CEO of a company. Yeah. Like, this guy is killing the game, <laughs> and his company is a toy company. And I don't know why I'm talking. He should be talking. I'm just excited for him. So, Alex, no, tell us keep, a little you bit. Keep, you keep. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're the CEO of, of the three of us selling Kesco. I'm impressed. Yeah. That he would be the one to do yeah. it. I just, I, just, I think it's the coolest thing. Ben and Alex both work there. These guys are like very, very high up in a very exciting new company. And this game, Battle Bosses, tell us about it, dude. We played last yeah. week. It was awesome. So it's a, uh, a miniature figure uh, battle arena game. So basically, if you play something like League of Legends or Dota or any of those type of games, or you play card games like Magic or something along those lines, it's kind of a marriage of both. So you yeah. get these cool giant boss figures. They're kind of like mini action figures. I played Crackthar. He's a Goblin King. Uh, in my mind. <laughs> Drew texted me. Like, Drew texted me for like two days. Like I am the Goblin King. <laughs> <laughs> there's like dragon samurais, and there's like Cthulhu with zombies, yeah. and they come with these little mini figures also. So you get like eight action figures together, um, and then you fight each other. And there's like these cool gameplay. We're we're kickstarting it now. I'm assuming there will be things shown somewhere. Oh yeah, if we can pull up the website here, uh, uh, the Battle Bosses website, guys, you can check that out. Go, um, go to BattleBosses.com, and so, you can find the Kickstarter. So the way I should stuff. because I think the Kickstarter kind of confuses some people. So exactly what this means is basically when you're a mass retail company, you want to launch a game. In the gaming world, one of the big things you do is you launch a Kickstarter to show major retailers interest in the game. So Mm -hmm. you try to show them that there is uh, momentum behind the game. It's less to actually fund the game. It's more about building the community around it and getting pre-orders into the hands of people who want to get it early and kind of be trendsetters as far as the game goes. So if it's not, I think some of you guys know this, you probably all know this, but I'm the vice president of sales of the company that makes this game. <laughs> and so, I am <laughs> having a hard time paying my rent. <laughs> so uh, this we game... We have this Goblin King position that we're <laughs> yeah, hiring for. I am the Goblin King. It's one of those signs you hold outside oh, wow. the street and you flip it around. So they've got it, you guys are already up to 14K. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it's yeah, going that's well. awesome. It's, yeah, it's going it's really well. It's tripled since the last time I looked at it. Yeah. 
That's yeah, crazy. Going, yeah, so so there's a couple I'm things going on. One more time, thanks to you guys. Yeah, right. So Battle Bosses <laughs> is super fun. We play this around the office all the time. We've been taking it around to various shows and showing it off. Um, there is this giant emblazoned sword that uh, the winner of the, this first multiplayer video is going to get. This is really why we brought it on the show. I mean, yeah. This is team action. Uh, we got to have a sword. So so what we're doing is, is and it's actually emblazoned this way, so I'm going to hand the handle to you correctly. There you go. That, like, uh, that sword. Not Jeff Goldblum. Who hands the sword in Pirates? Uh, Jeffrey Rush? Nope. Jeff. No, not a Jeff. Leonardo Le- da Vinci? Legolas. Legolas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh Orlando Bloom. Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Yeah, there yes. you go. <laughs> Why'd you say Jeff? Well, Gold Bloom, Orlando Bloom. It was the Bloom that I got confused. Gold Bloom. <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, hands Why are you holding like a sword? <laughs> uh, so uh, next week we'll be releasing a big 3v3 video, and Team Action actually is one of the teams that are fighting against us. Ben got a ringer. Uh, it was Michael Grothy, who was the other designer of the game. So yeah, you yeah, like find a game. guy. We gave him big sunglasses, so he's really and you guys will know Ashley guys. Morgan. Uh, she's an after Buzz TV oh, yeah. host. Oh, yeah. She's, she's also too. in it. She's yeah, a I, got, gamer. I grabbed her. She's on my team. Yeah. So we've got uh, yeah, we've got this awesome group. It'll it'll air soon. The winner will win this giant sword. So check um, in next week if you guys still have the sword. You might yeah. have won it. But yeah, not check out Battle Bosses, guys. It, I, I, I definitely recommend it, not just as somebody who works for the company, but as somebody who's been a Magic the Gathering gamer my whole life. Uh, I don't like a lot of games, but I like this game a I lot. I love it. This, we, this, yeah. Yeah. this I, game is also meant to be easy for people to learn. Like, you know, this isn't, if you like our, it's not Magic level, this is a, a game that you can jump into really quick. It's really fun, and definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, guys, check it out. Uh, I loved it. We did three on three. Uh, there's also one v one. There's other ways you can play. So there's the website. There's a Kickstarter. It's an awesome game to check out with your family and friends. Yeah. So um, we're gonna hop into production development here. We're gonna skip past the writers, Donna Powers and Wayne Powers, who actually uh, produced Deep Blue Sea or wrote Deep Blue Sea. I think their actually, names I saw are them pop up. Great. <clears throat> yeah, their names are awesome. I'm but they're not their names. <laughs> there's not really a lot about them out there. If you if you look them up. Uh, you will see that they've they've worked on a handful of movies, but there's really just not a lot of information. The person that's the most interesting in this is F. Gary Gray, who yeah. we all know from the Waterfall, the Negotiator, the Waterfalls video, <laughs> yeah, the Waterfalls video <laughs> by TLC. Uh, so F. Gary Gray is a film director. We all know him mainly from Straight Outta Compton. That was his big claim to fame. But he was actually making movies for a while. He did Friday, which people love. Set it off, which I'm not familiar with. The Negotiator, which I personally love. Uh, the Italian Job, and um, he also recently directed the most recent uh, installment of Fast and Furious. That's right? fascinating, because this is the last movie that Charlie Theron and Jason Statham were in the same movie yeah. together. And yeah. he, like, I guess Jason Statham got on the fast, or like was like, had to be part of that experience. Yeah, it wasn't even like, like each other. Cause <laughs> it wasn't even like F. Gary Gray made it happen. No, uh, he but, is, after the release of Fast 8, uh, the highest grossing African-American filmmaker of all time. That's incredible. And yep. it... He has such an interesting take as a director because I actually haven't seen The Fate of the Furious, which is surprising. I just watched it. Saw it. I watched it also, like, was it fun? The Meg, and then I watched it, and then this. It's fine. It's not as good as seven or five, but it's right. better than any of the, like, four through one. I got so drunk and saw, like, an 11 p.m. screening <laughs> of the theaters that, like, by the time it got to the final 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, and there was some sort of, like, cars on like ice caps with a submarine and like yeah they go to the north pole i like started to doze in and out when i woke up i was like what the hell just happened i was like i probably could make up any iteration of those three elements and be correct in some in some way (laughs) right this is the tundra i don't know where it was yeah Yeah. uh but i think he excels in drama like i i don't think that he like all these movies are fine but friday and straight out of compton are the two best movies yeah yeah yeah. you know by like a mile in my mind i wouldn't call friday a drama yeah Yeah, no i know but it's like uh specifically a comedy (laughs) yeah it was also more to the black culture that he that he likes to direct yeah i would also say that like we said this i said this before this movie feels more like a fast and the furious movie than i would say one through four of the Fast and Furious movie. Italian Job feels more like a Fast and the Furious movie than those movies. Don't you love The Negotiator? You do. I love The Negotiator. Yeah, yeah I agree, because, well, The Italian Job doesn't have... Like, it's missing the heart that you yeah. need in the movie. Like, you do Correct. love Sutherland. I think if there was more Sutherland, like, maybe they killed him off a little bit later. Yeah. That would have been there, but I, I just think this movie is missing just a little bit of heart. Well, it's because the problem with this movie and is, is that if you focus on each of the major characters, you can come up with such a major flaw. Like, it's like, Sutherland should have been in the movie longer. Right. Wahlberg is not a fully formed actor or even really a character in this movie yet. The love story is totally unrealized. They spend, like, 
a couple scenes like kind of looking at each other and then yeah. they're just together just, like, in, in love the at the end yeah like Charlize is far and away the most emotional arc and best actress or, or actor mm. in the movie Norton is given almost nothing to work with he's just a dick yeah. like he could be literally Raven Kalitri in Gone in 60 Seconds no wonder he hated it so much he doesn't have like any depth and then the and then the side characters are total side characters right yeah like Hanson Rob's kind of charming like, but like I mean, caricatures I all, yeah they're all char- like they're all side character characters dude. Yeah. you kind of establish it I, I think that the when you mentioned the heart the issue with this movie is I think just kind of almost solely on Mark Wahlberg's shoulders like if that's what's missing Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be that character he's the right, one that he's Donald Trump was that. trying to pass the torch to yeah. he's the one he's the Johnny Ocean of this movie and Dan- Danny, he, Danny Ocean, Ocean sorry yeah. Johnny Ocean, uh, Johnny Ocean. Johnny Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Danny Ocean of this movie and he's not Danny he's not doesn't have that ability Johnny Ocean right. is the name that I would take if I was making the <laughs> Porn version of Ocean's Eleven. Sweet movie. Johnny Ocean. Yeah. Johnny Ocean. Uh, all right. So, critical reception here. This movie was made by Paramount. It cost $60 million to produce. It was released May 30th, 2003. It grossed $106 million domestic, an additional $69 million worldwide for a grand total of $176 million, but it was still third behind Finding Nemo at $70 million, of course, and Bruce Almighty, which I actually like Bruce Almighty. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Was it Finding Nemo at $19 million and Bruce Almighty at $70 million? No, no, no. This opened at $19 million. And uh, uh, number three at ninety million behind. Finally, got it. Cool. Yeah, Thank Nemo's at seventy. Sweet. Bruce is at thirty-seven. And then um, well, that's that's like an, like Bruce Almighty was like one of the weirdest hits of all time. And yeah, then Finding yeah. Nemo is like arguably the best Pixar movie. Yeah, possibly the, the whole it's Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty phenomenon that happened is like crazy. Yeah, you look back on you're like, what the hell? Was I that love- the last successful Jim Carrey movie? Uh well this is 2003 so that's the Grinch but the Grinch is a weird mess. Yeah. I feel like the Grinch might have been before this. Maybe. Um I don't think Jim Carrey has had another I mean Eternal Sunshine is not a, is 2004. It's oh, a it's better movie. Okay. Okay. Next year right. it's a classic at this point. Um Batman uh, Forever. No, I know. I know. Like I, know. I know. <laughs> Just like talking about the movie. I love Batman Forever. <laughs> um though I think it's I I we've had this conversation before, right? That I think Batman Forever is the worst of the four. It's actually worse than Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, I I'm, think it's it's worse other than the fact that the people that are being worse are known to be that way. So you're like, oh, Jim Carrey is supposed to be bad, like right. that, versus like it's really hard to watch Tommy Lee Jones try to compete with Jim Carrey comedically. Uh, yeah, yes. I will take I will take Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze over every element Chill. of both movies combined. Chill. Can I not watch either of these movies ever again? <laughs> one of our earliest isn't one of our earliest like friendship memories uh, when I was going through a breakup yeah. like six years ago. We got wasted and watched Batman and Robin. And yeah, like you played with your cats. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, those are good old days. days. Those were sad days. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been there. We've been through them together, man. Uh, all right, so critically, this movie's got a 7.0. It's got 73 by all critics, 77 by top, and an 80% by audience, making it actually a really high reviewed uh, remake. So that's one of the I, last things we're going to cover on the show. What were you going to say? iTunes lied to me. iTunes uh. has it labeled as a 79% on oh. Tomatoes. Uh, but that's just to get into our next segment, which is our top three remakes. What are your guys' top three remake movie? Remade we've, movies. We, we've talked about my probably favorite or close to a lot today, and it's Ocean's Eleven. I think it's mm. Ocean's Eleven by by the quality of the original might just be the greatest remake of all time. I mean, the original Ocean's Eleven is kind of a trash movie, and the new and the new one is the most classic heist movie of our era. I don't, I don't know the original. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the original is just like a, it's like a, not the, the Rat Pack, right? Yeah. It's just like a Rat right. Pack random comedy heist movie from that era. That's it's like, fine. It's, fine. It's, it's also dated in the way that, like, junk movies from that era are all dated. Right. It's not like a classic. It's not, there's nothing you, like, special about it. There's, like, something about when you put a bunch of famous actors at a time together in a movie that's kind of fun and it's relevant enough because they're all in it that, like, years later it was significant because they were all in it. So, like, very similar, like, Ocean's Eleven is that way. Right. Um, whereas, like, you can this look. This movie's that way. I think, like, people have a weird fond memory of this movie. Everyone in it is famous, but it's yeah. not as good as the yeah. famousness of the people like in the it. the Pope of Greenwich Village with, like, Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts in the 80s was, like, a movie that, like, <laughs> when people grew up watching it, they were like, oh, this is great. And, like, now it's like. What is that movie? <laughs> but there could be a remake of the Pope of Greenwich Village, and it was be great. And like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the kind of thing mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go all horror with mine because I love horror movies, and I'm gonna hop in with Dawn of the Dead. The oh, two- the th- Zack Snyder one? Yeah, it was a 2004, maybe 2004. Because I think yeah. uh, I think I think 300 is 06. Ving Rhames is in that. I do remember that. Yes. And yeah. isn't Ty Burrell the dad from Modern Family in that movie? Yes. Yeah. He is, he right? a, he's yeah. an asshole. He like he's the guy who gets everyone like killed. Kind yeah. of like yeah. That movie is sweet. Is yeah, it really good? I lo- it's, it's really like good. A really enjoyable. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. yeah, I saw it in theaters. I, like, it's it's probably one of the remember? best zombie movies 
ever. Yeah. Huh. I love it. Like, weirdly enough. Like, I like, I love zombie movies, and just like it, like everything kind of hits correctly. Don't they show it in, they show it in 40 year old version? Yeah. Watch, really? Do. Yeah. Yeah. They show a clip of it. Yeah. Also, they lock him in the room with porn, and, and it's the same room with, the, with uh, Andre who's watching Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> I watched that recently, and it's also fascinatingly like everyone's really famous, but was not famous when right. that movie oh, came out. Virgin? It's yeah. also fantastic. And it holds up good. perfectly. It holds up great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, Seth Rogen was not famous in that movie. No, no, no. He's Paul like the Rod guy. was like fr- the guy from Clueless. Yeah. Jonah Hill has like an amazing cameo, and yeah. he's like a no one in yeah, it as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, we are running over time, oh, so sure. let's, let's breeze through this here, guys. All right, uh, I have uh, the Star Trek, the the remake, the J.J. Abrams remake yes. as like a the Bruce, like, the Bruce Greenwood film. <clears throat> the <laughs> <laughs> nobody likes Bruce Greenwood as much as you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it just, like, hit every cylinder they needed, and it just reinvented that franchise in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise. One of the all-time great trailers. I'll go with um, The Departed. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it is a remake of uh, Infernal Affairs. Yep. Right? So. Absolutely. Um, I went with Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel. There's so many iterations of Texas Chainsaw Massacre out there. The one with Jessica Biel from the early 2000s is horrifying. Is it really? It is absolutely terrifying. Huh. Still to this day, it's one of my favorite horror movies. It's done so well. She's banging in it, and she does a very good job in it. Hmm. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, I have Fast and Furious 1 as a remake of Point Break. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it basically totally fair. is. It basically sandwich. is. Yeah, it gave us Vin Diesel. Wait, didn't we... Didn't Rob Cohen actually... He just said it. We ripped it off. He just straight admitted to ripping it off. That's right. He told us that. Yeah. Oh, we interesting. Him. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. We literally asked him, and, and we were like, it was pretty close. He's like, oh, yeah, 100%. He's like, we no, ripped it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same yeah. <laughs> He's like, but we had these huge fans that yeah. created this. Yeah, he came on for Hurricane oh, Heist. Nice. One of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite films of all time. Um, so, <laughs> let's go. Let's Do go they steal a hurricane in yeah. the movie? <laughs> With giant fans that they spent the budget on. They, like, <laughs> yeah. they, like, they like made the story. But they actually do steal a hurricane in the movie. The conversation with Cohen is one of the great things because he's like, we got these giant fans <laughs> to create this huge blizzard for the film. We spent the whole budget on the blizzards. And, like, that guy <laughs> is like, yeah. a king. He's one of my favorite guests we've ever he had. He cannot be bothered by what anyone thinks about his movies, no, which I terrific. love. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what's your number one? Uh, number one? Oh, you didn't do two. your second one? Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, yeah, number one. Uh, number one was Ocean's Eleven. <clears throat> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah Series yeah, two, yeah, isn't it? My number two, yeah. yeah. My, that was my number two. My number one is Heat. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. Because yeah. it's within the reason he is because it's a remake of his own movie. Yeah, the he, LA, LA Takedown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made it as a TV movie with a smaller budget the year then, before. Yeah, or like a couple years maybe. But yeah, but then he was like, yeah, I'll just get De Niro and Pacino and you know quadruple the budget, make it as a real <laughs> movie, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, my number one is uh, Evil Dead, the one that came out in 2014. Fidi Alvarez one. Yeah, that movie's horrifying. Oh, interesting. Go watch the trailer. That's, just okay. just watch the trailer alone. Like I've seen that movie twice, and I every time I want to watch it, I watch the trailer, and I'm like, nope, not gonna watch it. Because <laughs> you're one of those people that they scare the shit out of you, but you like them anyway, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm one of those that we'll see it on DVD. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like. I don't like to watch horror movies by myself. Not a scary I don't movie. Like it. Though I did just rewatch The Shining for the first time in a while, and I love that. So movie. it's not a Quiet Place. It was marketed as a much scarier movie than it was. It's much more like Jaws, Jurassic Park yeah. level of yeah, scary than really it good. is. It's like it's phenomenal. It's just yeah. it's not like I was expecting more horror and less like cool. Yeah. sci-fi monster movie i get that i get that um all right guys so we are going to continue breezing through this i think unless one of you guys wants to focus on this subject i have a pretty strong feeling we can skip favorite line this time yeah i think we need to i mean honestly i think we actually just need to wrap up yeah because <clears throat> favorite line you know there's not very many good ones in this film um yeah, there's so, not uh, uh, <laughs> punching, punching edward in the face yeah yeah mother-in-laws mother nature and mother yeah. freaking ukraine ukrainian that's the one <laughs> yeah that's, that's the one that's the shout out so uh <laughs> all right guys that's gonna wrap us up for this week we have three action movie categories to choose from there are totally ridiculous totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate um i think this movie is just totally ridiculous to me i don't yeah. think it has any legitimacy at all i think i can find it in the middle category really yeah it doesn't like it doesn't turn me off by the things that they're doing it's not too crazy to me they, they yeah. go through and modify the cars i can give it middle category fair what are the categories? Totally oh. ridiculous, totally legitimate, or ridiculously legitimate. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's like it's a, it's the this could happen. This is a movie that existed. It's just yeah. like for me that it's, it's totally it's totally ridiculous because like it never engages me. It like it does all of the silly things that heist movies do, mm-hmm. but it also like never engages me and like all those things, all of the cliches that I find like like that bother me. Uh, by the end of the movie, I'm just like I keep waiting for that scene or that moment where I was like. Where I'm like, oh yeah, like this really hit home for me. Like, right, I keep like, waiting. this is the huge payoff moment. I keep waiting for the Ed Harris in the shower room scene. Like, there's something that makes me be like, there's one just unbelievable element in this movie. It's a, it's a, it's a. Someone took, it's a paint by numbers 
movie. Like yeah. every single thing yeah. is like kind of forced into it. You're just like, okay, we got famous people. All these people are really famous right now. We got we got a, a relationship. Heist. We got a relationship. Yeah. The guy and the girl are gonna fall over there. They're going after their like dead dad. It's like every single piece of this movie is a is a like thing that someone else came up with. Because it doesn't even have the like there are relationships that like in Gone in sixty seconds, for instance, like Duval and Cage, like their relationship talking about the old days. Like there's stuff in that movie where you're like I'm bought into this world. Like, right. This feels cool to well, me. And they're more ridiculous because it's like a like they're stealing yeah. so many cars in one hour or whatever. But this is like, oh, they're just like robbing a guy's gold. It's also like the height, the stakes are the low. Stakes, yeah. It's not like Ocean's <laughs> Eleven where they're robbing three casinos in the largest heist of all time. They're just like robbing a dude they know. <laughs> yes, there's the 27 mil in gold left. Um, so, all right, guys, that's going to wrap us up on that one. We've just got one last segment we're going to talk about, and that is called The Pitch. Wow. So, uh, you guys should like warn me on these. No, like, no, yeah, we no don't. Way. We always <laughs> like to catch you off guard. Okay. The salute and the pitch. So the pitch, um, this is an interesting one. Once again, uh, we will both be, I think, out of town next week. Yep, we and will. So it's a tough season. He's filming a TV show, obviously, and uh, I am traveling a lot for several jobs, one of which is Kesco. So we won't be here next week. What we're going to do, guys, is we're going to pre-tape a film, and it's for one of the generals of the Action Army. Yeah. Uh, the movie is called The Searchers. The it Searchers. Is a nineteen fifty six classic starring John Wayne. Yeah, it's a John Ford film. It's considered by most to be the best John Wayne movie or in the top two or three. A lot of modern westerns reference this film. Uh and it's Dated and incredibly racist, but uh, yeah. we're going to talk about it because it's a classic and uh, we dedicate films to generals of the army. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'll be a really interesting conversation for us to have. There's a lot of uh, it's it's so crazy. You watch a movie that's almost, what, 70 years old and like you look at it and you're like, holy crap, like the stunts. And, you know, so yeah. there's a lot of things we're going to talk about with that movie. There's there's obviously the racial overtones, undertones and just hitting you in the face with it and uh, I think it'll be a really cool episode. Yeah, 100%. Who, who is the general? I was trying to look him up. I can't find him right now. So obviously, Is it we'll Andrew Hayes, maybe? It might be Andrew Hayes. Daniel Sala? It's not Sala. Uh, I, maybe it's Hayes. No, because we did Quigley for Hayes. Maybe yeah. Getz. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. There's so many now that we are... We're, we're so thankful of all we're of you so guys. Thankful. <laughs> we, need to, we need to figure out what the, who the hell it was for. So. Uh, but yeah, so we'll be doing the searchers next week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And uh, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.